Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 14th of February, 2021. The Valentine's Day, ladies and gentlemen, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend. Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Support the program. Get extra stuff. I'll be posting a bunch of new photographs of the kids probably Wednesday, and I'll explain on Wednesday why Wednesday on Wednesday, because I'm just, there's, you can't take one picture, you got to take 10,000 pictures, you got to go through them all, and make sure you pick the best one. So anyway, I'll do all of that up there on those sites, appreciate the support. Let us get started with the program so we can get finished with the program and get on with our week. Lot going on. Got to start off, of course. We've been with the Super Bowl. It was first of all, I'm a wildly cynical person. I am incredibly hard to please when it comes to things like this because I have a natural resentment toward things I'm told I'm supposed to like, towards things I'm told I'm supposed to do. I just there's something about it. I don't know what the hell happened in my childhood. I wasn't abused. But um, if you tell me this is what everybody likes, this is the greatest thing, and I'll just have a natural inclination to not like it. If you let me discover it on my own, I'll love it if it's good. But if I'm told, like uh, U.S. soccer, I'm told every time when the World Cup comes around, oh, we're ready. The men are going to take on the world. The men suck. All right. U.S. soccer is terrible. And frankly, the, you know, the women's U.S. soccer, oh, they're the best. They're the best. And you see these ads in uh, some app, I think HBO or somebody's like, we're now streaming U.S. women's soccer. And I think the world just kind of said, so what? And I'm glad. And you sit there and I get this all the time. Don't you want the women to win the World Cup whenever the Women's World Cup is? And it's, honestly, no, I don't. I don't. Partially because I'm told I, I'm supposed to. But also because I can't stand most of the players, especially the star player. And so I, I recoil against that. Just immediately. I know it's, a, it's a, probably a character flaw, but I find it endearing. And since I have to live with me, there you go. But when I'm told oh, this is the Super Bowl, this is the biggest thing, it's the biggest, I watch it, I watch it, it's part of the job, and I'm interested. But when uh, you have conventional wisdom, I'll more than likely be on the opposite side of it. First of all, it started off with, lift every voice and sing. Lift the, the, they call it the Black National Anthem. Right then, I was already in, in a mood. Like, really? NFL, this is what we're going to do. We're going to segregate. Now, you're George Wallace is the commissioner now. And I never heard the song before, to be honest with you. I've never felt it necessary. Most songs I haven't heard, but I never felt it necessary to go, what is this song about? I just know that it's uh, billed as a racist song. It's not a racist. It never billed as a racist song, but it is billed as a racist song. And so I had no interest in it. But it was on, and I heard it, and I thought, I don't know, maybe it's the rendition of it. Whatever, it's terrible. Not a fan. <laughs> and I know, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed, whatever. I'm sorry, I didn't like it. Unimpressed. Really kind of a stupid song. Okay, congratulations. If you find it, if it's, yeah, I don't, 
I don't want you telling me what's inspirational. I'm not going to tell you what's inspirational. But I can give you my opinion, and you can have yours. Not my cup of meat. Then the national anthem. I don't even know who the guy was doing the national anthem, the pseudo-country guy with a guitar. Just sing it, all right? Just sing it. You're never gonna, Nobody's ever going to be Whitney Houston. And Whitney Houston went out there and just sang it, right? Like, so don't try to do better, do different, put your stamp. Just go out there and sing it. The bluesy guitar rendition of the national anthem, again, not my cup of meat. So right off the bat, I was in a mood. Then you get to the slip and slide field. Honest to God, I've never seen people sliding all over the field like that. You, they announced that they, or the announcer said that they, oh, I for, almost forgot. Is Fox Sports really that devoid of a marquee talent for announcing that these two guys that, I mean, I, granted, I don't make a point of watching football every Sunday during football season, but I catch a lot of football when it's just, oh, football's on. I have no idea who these guys were. It's like the 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 C team, you know, former player. For I don't care. They're, I grew up with Pat Summerall and uh, John Madden, and then you got uh, Buck Owens, whatever. You've got Troy Aikman. You, everybody seems to have. I know it's not Buck Owens. It's um, the guy with the blonde. It doesn't matter. Buck, Buck, Tim Buck, or whatever the hell his name is, Joe Buck. You got uh, Tony Romo. You got people that you've heard of who are bigger names that are always, they always get the national games. These two guys I'd never heard of before. They weren't terrible, but they weren't great. I mean, you're never going to get another Summerall and, and Madden, but for the God's sakes, you can get, I don't know, somebody who doesn't look like Mongo from, from, uh, was not super impressed with the announcing team. And then the halftime show. The game was good. I thought the game was good, despite the fact that I dozed off a little bit in the first half. The game was good. The halftime show, again, I'm wildly cynical, and if I'm told I have to like something, I will probably not like it. The NFL, I get what they're doing, but most of the time the halftime show is something that actual football fans look at and go, ugh, yuck. But the NFL does it because why? Because a lot of women are getting into the sport. They want a lot of women to get into the sport. And the men will go, I'm going to go get some food or whatever during halftime. And the people who don't pay attention to football go, ooh, I want to watch the halftime show. So you you trade audiences without people flipping over to Puppy Bowl in the kitten halftime show or whatever. Fine. All well and good. That being said, visually, if I'd had the TV on mute, I would have thought that the performance was pretty good. The... uh, visual of rihanna standing on that floating stage you could even though you could see the tether they probably should have tried to hide the tether so she wouldn't fall off you knew there was some security on there we weren't just going to put some billionaire up there on a thing she could fall off of but um they could have hit it a little bit better of course everybody noticed that she's pregnant fine all well and good i couldn't care less about that because i'm not a fan i think i sort of recognize two songs but i'm just not really a fan of music um, the two songs I recognized was the first one was the one about give me my money or whatever, pay me. And I, I, I only recognize that because it's so stupid. There was another one near the end that I thought was pretty good, but still couldn't care less. All I could not think, uh, I could not stop thinking that she was lip syncing. 
But I could only not stop thinking that she was lip-syncing because she was so obviously lip-syncing. That's the thing. That's the problem with these people who need to be dubbed over themselves a thousand times and uh, or the people who do the massive aerobic dancing during their routines. And like, well, I know how human beings are. It doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in. If you're doing the, the, the running man into the cabbage patch for 20 solid minutes, you're probably going to need to take a breath at some point. And they don't. And like, that's a sign of lip syncing. But at least most of the time, those people hold the microphone somewhere near their heads. Rihanna, half the time, wasn't holding the microphone near her head. The Wall Street Journal kind of put it as she did the bare minimum that was necessary. And like, yeah, I guess she did. I don't know how much you get paid for uh, the Super Bowl halftime show, but I imagine it's a, a couple of bucks. It's a couple of bucks. You could probably put in just a little bit of effort, you know? It doesn't seem like it's that much to uh to ask from anybody but she didn't do that she did below the bare minimum which if you know of course everybody constantly goes oh it was an amazing it was the best halftime show she rolled the halftime show you want to talk about russian bots and uh fake things on uh twitter Look at the people who immediately started going, oh, Rihanna's a queen. Rihanna was awesome. And then look at the timestamps and go, wow, they're saying that before she started or before she did anything. Anyway, I was wildly unimpressed. The commercials, as I said, not great. Nothing really memorable. I I saw that I was watching the Ben Affleck one where he's working at a Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. I'm like, oh, this has promise. And then it just wasn't funny. It just wasn't funny. The funniest line was, Jennifer Lopez showing up at the end going, get me a glazed. And so every commercial that had a celebrity, they spent a ton of money. They oh, God, got all these celebrities on here. It used to be special. These ads stuck out because only a few companies could get a celebrity, right? And those that couldn't had to compete with the one or two that could get a big celebrity. So they really got creative. And that upped everybody's game. Now they've all kind of gone cheap and lazy and they go, well, if we just get uh, Bradley Cooper in it, it's fine. And that was a fine, it was, my mother would have called that commercial cute. It was a fine commercial with his mother, but really not super memorable. Most of these things were not memorable. You're like, oh, it's John Travolta, bald, singing about something with the guys from Scrubs. Like, okay, okay. So overall, meh, had a good beat. I could dance to the game. But the experience left something to be desired. I might be wrong, but I so infrequently am that it's highly unlikely. Like The Super Bowl, the game was good. I thought the ads were less good. But they, um, they there was one set of ads that really sort of... Set, and I've seen them for a while now. These these he gets us ads. Have you ever seen these about the uh, Jesus was a refugee? Jesus was this. Jesus was that. I just I, I have a problem with people. Now there's all sorts of stories out there about who this group is. Some people say they're right wing wackos. Other people say they're progressives. They can be both. They absolutely can be both. But they are spreading this... Uh, look, I, look, the more God you get in your life, the better. But 
government as God is what these leftists really sort of advocate, what they push. And that's where I kind of have a problem. Jesus didn't want us to act like adults. Jesus loved his enemy. Jesus, all right. How did Jesus deal with injustice? You go to their website. I went to their website, so you don't have to. They have an ad for us, no matter what we think of Christianity. Most people can agree on one thing. During his lifetime, Jesus set a pretty good example of peace and love. Jesus set a pretty good example. What do you mean a pretty good example? Well, you know, it was a pretty good example. There were those times in college when he got really drunk and got into a lot of fights. But other than that, no, I don't think that's the story of Jesus. Uh, and it's not like he had an easy life. Again, you should not compare life back then to life now and say we had it much, we do have it way easier. But relatively speaking, everybody had a horrible life back then. You you cut yourself on a piece of metal, there was a decent chance you could get an infection and, and die from it. So it's not like you know, the royal people, the rich people, whatever, had it's so easy, and everybody else was living in a world of rusty nails. He faced insurmountable controversy. So often, he was the target of unjustified hate. How did he stifle his outrage? Sometimes he didn't. Jesus channeled his anger in defense of others when it really mattered. When he saw opportunists taking advantage of the poor, he confronted them without hesitation. But he knew how to pick his battles. I don't think Jesus was like, you know what, that fight's not worth it. It's wildly unjust and against the rule of God, but it's just not a battle worth having right now. You just watch these ads and you get this feeling. I, I don't like I don't like televangelists because I don't really think that people would uh, the people who make a fortune off of religion creep me out, the Joel Osteens of the world. And I don't like people who wrap themselves in their politics in religion because they um, they they don't really have a good argument to make is the way I look at it. And you go through, they have like inclusive here. Jesus was a refugee. Jesus, this has been debunked many, many times, but it's being used as a cudgel, as a weapon to try and advance the left-wing open border agenda because you can't make a case on your own for lack of borders, no sovereignty whatsoever. Hey, let's get rid of, let's get rid of all of our sovereignty. Well, no. Well, but that's what Jesus would have done. Jesus was a refugee. Would, have, would you have turned Jesus away at the border? Um... That's a stupid question. They write on their website under inclusive, on hashtag inclusive on there. Jesus was a refugee, along with a whole bunch of images of people. By the way, these people end up preaching that capitalism is the root of all evil. Capitalism is horrible. Capitalism is evil. They should then, therefore, if they really believe that, try to prevent the sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal alien from coming into a capitalistic society. But it's more grist for the mill. No, you must stay away for your own good. Stay away. That should be the argument they're making, but they're weirdly not. They write on their website, most everyone knows the Christmas story, the star, the shepherds, the manger, the wise men. But one chapter in the story of Jesus's birth is often neglected. Quite possibly because of its horrific nature. 
After the Magi from the East visited Mary and Joseph, King Herod requested they disclose where young Jesus resided. But being warned in a dream, the wise men departed in a different way without telling the king of Jesus' whereabouts. Enraged and threatened by a new potential ruler, Herod ordered all males two years old or younger to be killed. With Herod's henchmen bearing down on Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary fled with their young child to Egypt. Imagine the circumstances. Two young parents grab their toddler and whatever they can carry on their backs and flee the country. There was no safety for them in their homeland, so the only option was to seek foreign soil. See, that's a little bit different than your country sucks and you just want to come here to work. Or you just want to come here for the potential for a better life. Understandable that you want to come here for a potential for a better life. But we have set up a series of hoops to jump through, for lack of a better analogy, for you to do just that. They are not insurmountable burdens that nobody could possibly ever overcome. They are pretty much paperwork. And we set limits. Why? Because, quite frankly, I don't care how industrious you really believe you are as a human being back in your home country of hole-in-the-wallville or whatever. We cannot accommodate the entirety of the world's population who would like to come here. We cannot. You, that you can't understand me because you don't speak English and are probably not only illiterate, definitely illiterate in English, but you are likely illiterate in your own language, you will be a burden on society, a drag. Not only will you be a drag on our society, your children will be a drag on our children in their learning process. Thanks to Democrats, we cannot separate out the children who don't speak English, who are here illegally, with the children who are Americans and can speak English and are, you know, the ones we're supposed to be paying for. So we have to throw you in the same classes. That slows down the progress of everybody. So you actually, one of your first acts in coming here illegally is to do damage to our country and cost us money. That would be all well and good in times of emergency if the alternative were there, you'd have to go back to your war-torn country and risk being killed, significantly risk being killed, but that's not the alternative. You're fleeing a country that is just not pleasant. It's not good. Certainly nobody would want to really live there if they had a choice, but change it. Fix your own house. You drive around, you see people's houses, and look, growing up in Detroit and doing roofing in Detroit, you saw houses. There were always rental houses. It was very weird. Most people who owned their own homes, they didn't have this problem. You can do your own math on that one. But the people who rented their houses had what? They had the tarps on the roof. They had the buckets in the house. They let things go. They had the handrail was off the wall. And, you know, that didn't just fall off the wall. It was there. It was fine. And then it started getting loose. And then it fell off the wall. They had holes punched in the drywall. Why? Because why not? What are you supposed to do? I had a cousin who my parents paid to live with my grandmother when she was near the end of her life and she was needing constant care. And my cousin was a bit of a loser and she like, all right, well, you sh she'll take care of grandma. All you got to do is make sure grandma gets to bed, make sure grandma gets to the bathroom and make sure grandma has food. That's it. She just 
My grandma would sit there and watch Tiger baseball. She'd love that. She'd be happy. Crochet. Visitors come over. My cousin was a total and complete loser. Her boyfriend was carving her name in the drywall. Poked holes in it. Uh, we didn't know this because it was upstairs in their bedroom. And then when grandma was not, when it became clear and it was discovered that grandma was not being taken care of by my degenerate cousin and her loser boyfriend, who were probably on drugs, uh, grandma was put in a nursing home because she needed round-the-clock care and my mother, being disabled, could not provide it. And they wanted to sell the house to pay for it, to help pay for it, right? To defer the costs. Well, because my cousin is a degenerate, she refused to move out of the house. Unless she got $10,000. Now, the house was probably sold for about $40,000. She wanted a quarter of it. Why? Because she is a degenerate. It's amazing how some people who contribute nothing to society or the world are the people who most likely have the biggest sense of entitlement out there. You don't hear too many people. I bet you Elon Musk has never said, you will respect me. I demand respect. It probably doesn't do that. Most people who are successful just comport themselves in a way that sort of demands it or inspires it. And if there are people out there in their world, in their circle, who do not provide it or do not uh, comport themselves in a way that is uh, up to the standards that they want, they simply remove them. You don't have to be around them. But it's always some drunk in a wife beater t-shirt talking about, who do you think you're talking to? I will not be disrespected in this way while drunk. And that, that was my cousin. I ended up paying her like 2500 bucks to get the hell out of the house. And nobody's spoken to her since because why would we? But that's the, we got enough of those people. We sure as hell don't need to import those people. Even under the banner, you wrap them under the banner of the cross and under the church. That's all well and good. What I get from this, he gets us stuff, is it is a Democratic Party outreach program to Christians to try to fool people into thinking, hey, you know what? We are, uh, we're on the side of God. If you don't like open borders, you're somehow the problem. You're a sinner. You're this. You're that. You're the other thing. Spare me. Okay? Spare me. South and Central America is not the war-torn South and Central America of the 1980s. It is not expansive communism that these people are fleeing. It's corrupt government. Change your government. Fix your country. Physician, heal thyself. Instead, our president has just thrown open the southern border. And with it, you get all the people who come across the southern border. You get all the diseases that come across the southern border. And yes, believe it or not, in the third world hellholes that reside to our south, immunization and vaccination against use, you know, real immunization from vaccination is, um, is not a priority down there. They don't care. The leaders are wildly corrupt. But again, if you, you need to rise up, you need to vote them out or rise up and, and boot them out or whatever. Save your own country. I get that it sucks. Too bad. Fix it. This country used to suck too. Now Democrats are trying to make it suck now. So all your little fake religious ads 
using politics wrapped in Jesus, I find it wildly offensive. Not offensive in that I'm going to take my ball and go home and how dare anybody. But I find it offensive that they would do it. And I find it frightening that it would work because I think that this stuff will work. How did Jesus deal with injustice? Injustice. Well, I don't think Jesus resisted arrest. You know, was Jesus punching a couple of cops when the Romans came to get it? No, no, they didn't. It says no matter what you think of, this is their, uh, what did, uh, how did Jesus deal with injustice? No matter what you think of Christianity, most people can agree on one thing. During his lifetime, Jesus did a pretty good example. I love, just love that sentence. He's a pretty good example of peace and love. <laughs> it's a pretty good example of peace and love, forgiveness about us. He has about us, or he gets us, has an agenda. They tell you right out. How did the story of a man who taught the practice of unconditional love, peace and kindness, who spent his life defending the poor and the marginalized, the marginalized, the marginalized. See how they do it? This is what makes them... This is what this is the kind of stuff that makes Goebbels blush. They'll throw in their buzzwords now. They throw it in there. Oh no, he wants to help the marginalized. The marginalized. Oh, you mean like the trans drag queen grinding their genitals in the face of a five year old at a brunch or in a school library or a public library? That is that to uh Jesus spent his life defending? Do you think Jesus would spend his time defending that? By the way, we've already discussed what the definition, we did this last week, what the definition of marginalized means. I'll look it up again because it is uh, telling the way that these people have bastardized this word. This is from Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Marginalized, to relegate to an unimportant or powerless position within a society or group. Now, in terms of the drag queen gyrating in front of the prepubescent children, which one, which side is rendered powerless or unimportant? The person gyrating in front of the child or the people who say grown men should not be gyrating in front of children? Which one in our popular culture? Not in a public opinion poll. In a public opinion poll, it'll be 95% people going, what the hell, it's not even close. Get that, go get that guy away from that kid. But when it comes to pop culture, cartoons, family sitcoms, whatever it is, I promise you, the people doing our popular culture will say it is the drag queen that is being marginalized by the evil people who are out there. They'll be transphobic. This is what drives me nuts. You're a transphobe. How is it transphobic to say don't grind your genitals in front of children? It's not transphobic. How is it that any adult would ever want to do this? That's the real question. And any adult who would ever want to do this needs to immediately be removed from any place where there are children or could be children. So, yeah, the deeper you look at the Super Bowl ad, this is the one that's the Super Bowl ads that are getting the most right up are these he gets us ads because they're it's from the right and the left. The right is criticizing it the way I am. The left is saying these groups should have taken the $20 million 
and fed some poor people. Okay, it's a fair point too. So normally if you're making both sides angry, you could say, well, we must be doing something right. But realistically, if you're making both sides angry on this thing, you're doing something wildly, wildly wrong. Shifting gears, we are now the world's strongest balloon-popping nation ever. (laughs) It's amazing to me. Joe Biden went from, we can't shoot this down over U.S. soil because we don't know the dangers of it, to let's just pop them all. They're, they're, They're sending in FBI agents and military invasions into birthday parties to pop balloons. Valentine's, the Valentine's Day massacre is going to get a whole new meaning as they uh, run into every grocery store and florist and pop balloons. And Joe Biden saved the day. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. They've cut down, uh, shut down three in three days. And what I don't get, look, I'm no military expert, but sadly, it seems as though there aren't very many military experts in our military either. When you watch the when you watch the footage of the balloon being popped, the first one, the big one, with the platform or whatever that you know we need to shoot it down over the Atlantic so it doesn't hurt anybody on the ground, and that way we can definitely recover. And they haven't haven't recovered it. Like, oh, okay, you haven't found it yet. Amazing how that works. Um, you can't tell me that we didn't have a better plan to do it. But you watch that thing pop, and you're like, ooh, wow, they really popped the hell out of it. Well, they launched a Sidewinder missile at it. Sidewinder missile, I looked it up. Sidewinder missiles, now it's the internet, so and it's a couple years old, 2019 numbers. A Sidewinder missile was about $381,000 and change, closer to $382,000 for one Sidewinder missile. How much is a bullet? I get it. Look, I've seen, granted, my knowledge of naval firepower from the planes it comes from top gun movies i get it and there are other couple of movies too iron eagle comes to mind but most of it it's it's hollywood that these planes are sent up there and they have four missiles and uh, one of them always jams when it's needed i've seen independence day randy quaid had to commit suicide he had to noble sacrifice himself because his last sidewinder missile would not go off on independence day and so he had to fly into the ship's gun saving all of humanity i get it but they also have bullets and if you're going to shoot down a balloon launching a granted i i personally think that a a high-caliber round, one through a bullet, would cause it to slowly deflate and eventually, you know, come drifting down to the ground pretty pretty softly. That's why you could have done it over, a po- not a populated area, but certainly over rural Montana. But the mil- And it would cost, you know, against the military, maybe $5,000 for one bullet shot out of an F-15 or whatever. But a Sidewinder is almost $400,000. And they opted for the side. Now, I get it. You got these things. You're flying around. How often do you do these pilots actually get a chance to launch a Sidewinder missile? Probably not very. Not very. Got to be pretty cool. But the difference between shooting a bullet through a balloon that size is that it would come down. And a Sidewinder is you shoot the sidewinder through it and the whole thing pops like a pimple 
causes a mess, comes crashing down to earth in pieces, and you can't find the equipment on the bottom of it. You can find the balloon part that floats. That's great. You can find the pieces of metal for the platform that are still connected to the balloon. And that's all well and good, but it's not exactly useful. But they're saying that there's English writing and English supply. All I've seen so far is like scaffolding. Okay, it's scaffolding. Yeah, we that we sell China scaffolding is not really a national security threat, I would think. But a Sidewinder seems like overkill. And they seem to have been using Sidewinder missiles for all of these things. All of these things. The uh, U.S. Sun. Uh, it's the third object brought down by fighter jets in the past week. And there's pictures of it. The high-altitude object, they're calling it. And they're trying to imply that some of these things might be extraterrestrial in nature. Now, I'm as cynical as the next person. I don't trust government as far as I can throw it. But uh, E.T. traveling internationally or interstellar through a balloon is probably, you know, I don't think there's a book out there around the Milky Way in 80 days. I just don't. So I I can't imagine. Although if, if, if there, here's the question for you. If you really believe that it could be extraterrestrial it could be aliens then you gotta wonder why they're shooting them down because they're harmless you should observe them and if they're man over the weekend somebody was saying you know we don't know the pilots say that they didn't believe that the balloon was manned well if there's even the possibility of it first of all you're at 30,000 feet You'd have to be hermetically sealed in there. There's no oxygen up there. Your blood would actually boil. Don't. It has to do with air pressure. Don't ask me to explain it. It's just true. You can search it out for yourself. But those people would be dead unless they are really essentially sealed in a capsule or like a plane. Why? How would you not notice that? But you can't. They don't. They don't answer these questions because they need you distracted. I will say there is a whole bunch of people on uh, Twitter... There was a uh, train derailment last week in East Palestine, Ohio. Why is it called East Palestine? Who knows why it's called East Palestine? I don't know how these places get their names. Intercourse, Pennsylvania, whatever. Uh, but East Palestine, there was a train derailment. Lots of toxic chemicals and a massive fire. And then they set a massive fire according to some... I don't know. I haven't looked into it all that much. But there are a lot of people out there saying that they, the government is shooting down all these balloons and claiming there could be extraterrestrial in order to distract from the poisoning of a small town, the Chernobyling, as they have put it, their verbiage, the Chernobyling of a small town in Ohio. Now, it certainly sounds like this small town in Ohio is uh, not having a good time. It's certainly not a good time to be in East Palestine, Ohio. That being said, I don't think uh, somebody would have noticed, right? Wouldn't somebody have noticed? I don't know. So you're watching all this stuff and you're watching all this paranoia and all this garbage. And what is the truth? Where are these balloons coming from? 
we should know where these balloons are coming from. We have the most expensive and extensive radar tracking system on the face of the Earth in the history of the planet. We can't find a damn balloon until it's over Lake Huron. The high-altitude object was shot down over Lake Huron near Michigan on Sunday. An F-16 downed the octagonal-shaped object at 20,000 feet, a government official and congressional source confirmed to the Wall Street Journal. They claimed the object was at a height that could be dangerous for commercial aircraft, but as footage shared online showed what appeared to be the object spinning before it was destroyed. Now, we got a clip of Karine Jean-Pierre. She's so historic. So historic. Have I mentioned how historic she was? This is how pathetic they are. They sent her out for these sorts of things. She went on Jonathan Capehart's show on MSNBC. It is, well, two things about this clip. She utters the word Canada at the end of it instead of Canada because she's dumb. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. There's just no nice way to put it. She's dumb. She says, Canadia. I used to say Canadia to mock people. I never heard an actual live adult human being ever say it seriously until today. But the real thing is the question. Jonathan Capehart is a very serious journalist. Just ask him. But what's telling about this clip is this is the ultimate in the ultimate of softball questions. He knows the answer. Look, why is why are we shooting? Uh, yes, why are we shooting things down over Canada, over Canadian airspace? Well, it's because NORAD, North America, we 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 cover that. All right, we're 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 pretty good friends with Canada. We got this covered. And if it's close to our border, look, if Canada wanted to do it, they could have done it. But they said, go ahead and you do it. There's no controversy there. You only ask this level of question, this level of softball question. If you are out or unwilling, because there are a lot of serious questions you could ask the White House press secretary, but if you are unwilling to ask any of them, either because you don't want to know the answer, you don't want your audience to know the answer, or you're afraid that your friend, who is the White House press secretary, is going to make a complete ass out of herself by saying something wildly stupid and you don't want to ask any serious questions. Those are the only options you got. So that's... I assume it's the latter that he asks such a softball question because while Jonathan Capehart is quite capable of being asking stupid questions, he's not a dumb person. He is a hack. There's a difference. Being a hack causes absolute laziness. Anyway, listen to Karine Jean-Pierre and Jonathan Capehart of MSNBC and The Washington Post have a conversation that could easily have happened between my two daughters. Why is why is the American military shooting something out of the sky over Canada? Because it's part of a NORAD. There is a, the NORAD is part of like a it, part of a it's a it's a what you call a coalition, a consortium, a, a, a pact so, of nations, a pact okay. exactly. And so that's why we were able to do that again. It, we didn't do it on our own. We did right. it in in uh, in uh, clearly in 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 in, in step with uh, right. Canada. Canada. Uh, Clearly in step with Canadian. Both of these. You can hear Capehart trying to help her. Trying to help her. Like It's packed. It's packed. Just say it's packed. My God, how do you not know this? You're the White House press secretary. I learned this in junior high. How do you not know this? And she's like, I, 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 we did this in, in, in conjunction with Canada. Canada. Right? You got a lot of uh, Canadian money. 
God, I just... If merit mattered at all, if merit mattered even remotely in this administration, in that party, Corinne Jean-Pierre not only wouldn't have that job, she would not have been called for an interview. That just She was not any better than this on television as the spokesman for MoveOn.org. She really, that was her job back in like 2008 or whatever it was. She was this horrible then. I don't know. I don't know if she's lazy or dumb. It's one of the two. She could be dumb and she'll never get it, or she could be lazy and thinking, well, I don't have to get it. They'll just provide me with talking points. And if you roll in a circle where, you know, you're hanging out with your wife, CNN wife, and all their friends and everything, nobody's ever going to say, God, you're really terrible at your job. Have Have you noticed how you can't string together a coherent sentence? Have you noticed that when you're reading, the, you're looking down, you're studying, your head is down, and it's pretty obvious that you're not speaking like a normal human. Maybe you should paint eyeballs on your eyelids because your eyes are always looking down reading. Even when you're, it's so bad, it's probably a nervous tick too, that she's sitting there with Kate Hart without her three-ring binder, and she's looking down like she's reading because she, I assume she looks down, maybe she had a page of notes down there. She shouldn't need a page of notes for basic things and you shouldn't have the difficulty that she has in stringing together a coherent sentence on basic things that's why when things are really going on they don't send her out there they'll send out kate bedingfield or uh the new white house communications director i think there was a big announcement last week in karen jean pierre who's so historic because she's gay and black and an immigrant announced that the new white house communications director is also gay a historic first and representation is so wildly important like you're reading that uh somebody who's just like you is super historic and wildly important in that position why didn't you get that position if you're so well because you suck at it i'm sorry but merit has to account for something don't they when it actually needs when there are messages that need to be conveyed to the american public they do break out john kirby John Kirby is the spokesmodel over at the uh, State Department, I believe. He was at the Pentagon in the Obama-Biden administration. Now he's at the State Department. He was on Morning Joe this morning talking about the spy balloon. Now, why would you have the State Department over there instead of the White House press secretary? Because the White House press secretary can't handle it. She can't handle it. She's historic. She's just not good, you know? (laughs) She's historically bad at her job, but she sleeps with the right people and she is the right skin color. And so she is never going to lose that job until, until she, you imagine offering her a book deal. Somebody can't speak and you go, you know what? I want 90,000 of your words. (laughs) 28,000 of them will be, um, uh, 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 Anyway, listen to John Kirby on Morning Joe this morning talking about it, uh, the shooting down of all these balloons. Action to some breaking news out of Beijing just in the last hour or two. The foreign ministry there has accused the United States since the start of 2022 of flying balloons uh, 10 different times over Chinese airspace. Can you uh, respond to that accusation? Not true. Not doing it. Just absolutely not true. So the U.S., let me just push you a little further then. So the U.S. is not using these balloons technologies at all over China? That is right. We are not flying balloons 
uh, over China. That is absolutely true. Okay, and then lastly, then just as will there be this, will that viewpoint be expressed directly to Beijing beyond here on the friendly confines of Morning Joe? Uh, when when do the next conversation start between Washington and Beijing over a matter that's clearly inflaming tensions between the two countries? Well, two points there, Jonathan. First of all, we still have diplomatic relations with China. We still have an embassy there. It's not like all communications between us and the PRC have shut down. Obviously, there are certain vehicles like military to military vehicles, which are not open to us right now. And that's unfortunate. Uh, but we do have the ability to communicate directly with uh, Chinese leaders. And we have uh, in private settings about our concerns over that uh, that spy balloon. We're not flying balloons over there. We never did. We never did. No, 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 no. We're probably not. I mean, we've got wildly expensive satellites up there to do the work. He can't come out and say that. But the problem for John Kirby is the problem for the Biden administration. On the world stage, when it outside of Democratic Party circles, they have no credibility left. This guy was the face of the Afghanistan withdrawal. This guy was the Baghdad Bob of the abandonment of Kabul and the assassination of 13 Americans. He spun that as no big deal, and things are going well. And wow, yes, people are falling holding, falling off of planes as they take off, but historically, this is an amazing accomplishment in evacuation technology or whatever. When you don't have any credibility left, well, you don't have any credibility on anything, balloon or not, as absurd as it is, that we'd be launching balloons coming out of this guy's mouth, coming out of this administration. It's simply not believable. That's kind of a problem on the world stage. Shifting gears here, this one is um, not surprising at all. If you, you just have to pay attention to what the leftists do. They're out there popping balloons and patting themselves on the back because, oh, we pop balloons. We're heroes. We've done this. We've done that. The border's wide open. China wants to spy on the U.S. All they got to do is make a major donation or even a minor donation to a university loosely associated with the president of the United States, with Joe Biden or some member of his family, and uh, they can bring in 20, 30 spies and get them tenured by the end of the week. But the people in universities, there's something else. One thing, I I can't, it was called like the, it was a documentary on PBS about the progressive movement. And it was excellent. It was very well done. And I don't say that very often about things on uh, PBS. But there's I, I haven't seen it air since then. This is probably... Four or five years ago that this thing went on. Let me see. PBS, the progressive movement. Movement documentary. It was, I haven't seen it on since. So that means that it's called, all right, the progressive era. You can, you can find some of it on YouTube. But it was brilliant because it was honest. Because it was honest, it was brutal about progressives. Progressives, they call it's amazing to me. You got from uh, the president down to the mayor of Baltimore and the, the governor oh, were super progressive. The progressives were wildly evil people. Nazis were progressives, communists were progressives. They're all different sides of the same coin. The progressive mindset is, and this is, I am. I am always weary whenever you hear of a Republican. And somebody goes, oh, who's your favorite Republican? 
when somebody says Teddy Roosevelt, I kind of back up. You go, Whoa, oh, he's a union buster. He's a, or he was a trust buster. Blah, 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 blah. Fine. He's also a progressive. The famous progressive. One of the most famous progressives of the era up there with Woodrow Wilson. Progressive mindset is that you, through the because you're so special and you know better than anybody else, you can improve the world and people's lives by simply forcing them to do certain things and live a certain way. Now, look, everybody's driven through a neighborhood. Hell, I grew up in Detroit and lived 13 years in Baltimore. There hasn't been a day in my life where I haven't driven past somebody or something and gone, yeah, I could probably live their life. If If they listen to me, I could improve their life. That's normal human nature. But there's something in conservatives that goes, you watch people make the mistakes and you say, well, it's your mistakes to make. It's your life to screw up. I'm not, I can't save you from yourself because I know or believe that even if I were to save you from yourself at this particular moment, an adult I'm talking about, not children, if I were to save you from yourself at this particular moment, you would just find another creative way to destroy yourself or damage yourself or hurt yourself in the future, right? You can talk your friends out of making really stupid investment decisions or whatever one time. But if you're constantly talking them out of this and like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to throw all my money in Beanie Babies. I think they're due for a comeback. It's got to be. You saw what the baseball cards did during the pandemic. Beanie Babies are going to be next, man. They're going to if you've already talked them out of Beanie Babies 15 times before or whatever else, a million times, shiny rocks, sooner or later they're going to do it. You can't save them from themselves. You can't become Britney Spears' father. And, you know, like, oh, Britney, free Britney. All right, you got rid of her conservatorship. And then it turns out you watch Britney Spears and you go, yeah, maybe she did need a conservatorship. Maybe she does need somebody to look after her money. She's uh, not a particularly bright and responsible person, but it's her life to ruin. That's the philosophy I take. That's why I could never be a progressive. Progressives, though, I also have a general respect for individuality. You do what you want to do. I'm not going to celebrate your life if I don't agree with how you live your life or I don't like you as a person or whatever, but I'm also not going to try and criminalize it. I don't, you go ahead, knock yourself out. You've got to explain it to God. I don't. That being said, the progressives will never leave you alone. They will never let you just be. They will never let you rest or have fun or anything. They're the type of people who get offended because other people are having a good time and it must be stopped. They're horrible people. They're the Beulah ball brickers of that. There's a Porky's reference for you. They still believe, though, that they know what's best for the world and best for everybody else, and they seek the power to implement it. And with that comes a callousness that cannot be dismissed and should not be dismissed. And it is also one that is, if indulged, very frightening. The Nazis, yes, they killed 6 million Jews during the Holocaust. They also killed 5 million other people. Five million other people, the gypsies, the disabled, the homosexuals, the people that they determined were not useful to society or a drag on society, people who are dumb, people with mental disabilities. In this country, the progressive movement, in this country, 
forcibly sterilized people they determined to be, was used to justify the forcible sterilization of people they determined to be undesirable. The poor, mostly. The uneducated, by and large, as well. They did that right up to the 70s. They were, they were sterilizing Native Americans. Why? Because they knew better. They know better. Look, you can't take care of yourself. You're stupid. You're this, you're that, you're the other thing. We shall... We know what's better. Trust me, this is in your best interest. That sort of mentality. And you're like, what the hell is wrong with people? You'd think in this day and age, you'd grow out of it. But you don't. Which brings us to the UK Daily Mail today. A Yale University professor has sparked outrage by suggesting that the only way to deal with Japan's rapidly aging population is a mass suicide and disembowelment. And when I say the progressives view the individual as disposable i'm i'm not joking it's not hyperbole they do that's how they work that's how they roll that's how you can have the last century with 100 million dead that's not people from world war ii that's not it's not you know casualties of war this is in addition to that 100 million people executed by communism, socialism, fascism, who died because of the policies of those governments, those regimes around the world, not because of the military. They were starved to death in China, the cannibalism during the Great Leap Forward, the famine in Ukraine and the grain famine at this, as Russia, as Moscow, stole all the grain from Ukraine to keep Moscow fed and to keep the world, the lie alive that, oh, Soviet communism works. Meanwhile, the people in Ukraine were starving to death, literally by the millions, because they took all their food and they could not, their failed farm policies dictated on high by people who were not farmers did not work, led to crop failures, and they could not accommodate for it, and they would not acknowledge that it wasn't working, and they would not seek external help, so they simply allowed millions upon millions of people to die in the most horrific kinds of ways. That's how it works. That's why you can have a situation where in Canada, oh, they have this lovely socialized medicine. Canada, or Canada, I should say. They have this lovely socialized medicine. I mean, you can't really get in to see a doctor in a timely fashion, so, I mean, good luck to you if you're really ill. But that's how you can have military veterans advised that rather than ask the government to put in a chair vader chair vader whatever on your stairwell to get you up down the stairs because you're a disabled veteran in a wheelchair because rather than the government paying for that the government would rather pay for your assisted suicide yeah it happened that's how you can have people in Europe, in European countries, where assisted suicide is becoming the norm, go, you know what? It's I'm not terminal. I'm just sad. Can you kill me off? Yes, we will. You're disposable. If you're depressed, you're going to be a drag on society. You're probably not going to work super hard. You're certainly not going to bring as much into the tax base as you otherwise would. Progressives are progressives first and foremost. Geography is just location. It doesn't matter where they are. And this guy, yes, he's talking about Japan, but he's up at Yale. Yusuke, uh, yeah, good Lord. U.S., or no, Y-U-S-U-K-E. 
Yusuke Narita, an assistant professor of economics at Yale, defended his views in the New York Times profile this weekend after he made the remarks in a streaming news program in 2021. Quote, I feel like the only solution is pretty clear, he said at the time. In the end, it's mass suicide and mass seppuku of the elderly. Seppuku is the ritual disemboweling yourselves. Narita told the New York Times he was taken out of context, but also said that euthanasia could become mandatory in the future. His comments for uh, forcing a backlash nonetheless. Don't you love that? Look, euthanasia could become mandatory in the future. It was taken out. Is there a context where you think that uh, the elderly should be killing themselves? Where you go, oh, well, now that makes sense. Just like... It's the same thing these uh, leftists did every single, every time, never fails. They just scream out of context, out of context. Remember when the uh, Acorn Tapes came out, the first one, the one in Baltimore, where they're sitting there going, yeah, here, well, here's how you get some underage girls in the country if you want to make them into sex slaves. And he was offering them all sorts of advice and the paperwork to fill out and how to get them welfare and everything. And you're like... The defense initially from Acorn and from Democrats defending Acorn was, well, it's a heavily edited video. It's taken out of context. Well, the James O'Keefe and Project, that wasn't even Project Veritas at the time, I don't think. But James O'Keefe and, and Andrew Breitbart at Big Government released the whole video unedited and the transcripts unedited. So they were able to put the kibosh on that. But the real question should have been, in what context is giving somebody advice on how to smuggle in underage girls for the sex slave trade okay or acceptable? In what context could you possibly put that where you go, oh, well, that makes sense now. Now I see how you were advising the guy to uh, make some sex slaves out of some teenage girls. There is none. But they just simply declared it to be out of context. That's what this guy seems to be doing. He claims that this would allow the mass suicide would allow younger generations to make their own to make their way in business, politics, and other aspects of society that the older generation refuse to leave. And therein lies the progressive mindset. Get your way or kill them. They're disposable. <laughs> there are too many... Look, if you kill the boss, somebody's got to be the new boss. Well, who the hell would want to be the boss at that point? We're making 65 the finish line, where you can either retire, live off of your savings, or be killed. Now, if you have to receive government assistance, you have to be killed. Sorry. But if you've made enough money, eh, not too much because we're going to take a bunch of it. But if you, we'll let you have a good five-year retirement before we come and kill you. Congratulations on that. You've earned it. Who the hell would want that job? Knowing full well, you live like a king, but at 65, it's over. Well, when you're sitting on top of a business like that, what about when the 60-year-olds get a little uppity? And you're, you know, 62. You still got three good years left. But now suddenly the 60-year-olds are going, you know what? I want it sooner. Let's make 62 the the finish line. They'll lower it. They'll lower it. They'll lower it. There's all, once you broach the concept and agree to the concept, there's literally nothing holding you back. This is what drives me nuts about Republicans every time anybody says Democrats introduced something. Here's health care. Here we're government takeover of health care. And what is the Republican response? It's never to say the government has no business being in health care. Let's get the government. The problem with health care 
and the health insurance industry is that government is too heavily involved in it as it is. Making it artificially expensive, people should be able to be free to do whatever they want. Let the states experiment. Let's get the federal government out of the way, sort of doing an Operation Warp Speed, except just cutting the red tape in the bureaucracy. Rather than that, they go, well, no, their version is terrible. Here's our version. Well, as soon as you introduce your version of a bad, wildly unconstitutional government program, guess what you've done? You've just accepted the concept that this bad idea of a government uh, expansion is acceptable. I always use the example of Democrats are offering you a dollar and Republicans say that's ridiculous. The government should not be in the business of giving people a dollar. Vote for us and we'll give you 50 cents. Well, you've just lost the election because why the hell would anybody, which you've both sides and everybody's convinced that the government should be giving out money, period. Why wouldn't you vote for the person giving you more money? I get that it's a harder argument to make because people like free stuff, but it's the principled argument to make if those things even matter anymore. Last year, this just story about Japan. Japan has a low birth rate, the most public debt in the first world, and the country has 1.34 births per women. Below the United States is 1.65. Last year, Japan saw its population plunge by more than 600,000 people due to declining fertility rates and a rapidly aging population. The population dropped for the 11th consecutive year and was down by 644,000, according to its Ministry of Internal Affairs and Communications. A big part of this is that government is now becoming the provider for the elderly. They created a Ponzi scheme, like in this country when they created Social Security. It was all well and good. There were about 15 people working. I think it was, it's double digits. It was a lot. 15 people working for every Social Security recipient. So you can easily take the money from those people and give just a little bit, take a little bit from each of them and and help the elderly. It was wonderful. As life expectancy increased, that became less and less and fewer and fewer. And as people stopped having as many children, the Ponzi scheme became wildly top-heavy to the point that right now there's about 2.1 people working per Social Security recipient, paying directly for it in the Ponzi scheme. And it's going to go below two soon as more and more baby boomers retire we are looking so this guy is proposing mass murder mass suicide to correct for a ponzi scheme to correct for a progressive policy that went wildly wrong and was unsustainable see that's how progressive government works you create a problem through government And then you mandate a government solution to solve that problem, which, again, creates another problem. Lather, rinse, repeat. It doesn't normally end up in mass suicide, just mass harm. This guy just happens to be ahead of the curve over in Japan. I highly doubt they'll take his advice, but that there's a possibility of it is why you should be wary of anybody who says they are progressive. There is a, there's a new name being floated in the presidential race on the Republican side. I, uh, 
it's I believe it's way too early, even though like the on the Wednesday, the story is that uh, what's her face Nikki Haley is going to announce, make it official that she's getting into the race. And uh, I've been contacted by Nikki Haley's people. They've already started to spin me. And I, I had nothing against Nikki Haley. She seems perfectly nice and whatever. I I would take, like I say, almost any, Rep- I'd take any Republican. Certainly somebody with a track record like Nikki Haley, I would take over any Democrat under any circumstances. Um, I don't have a favorite in the race. And so I'm not really the good person to lobby on that. Um but they did. I, they pitched me on it. They make a pretty convincing case, a compelling case. But I'm not. You know, I'm like the guy in the Shark Tank who's like immediately gets an offer from Barbara Corcoran or Mark Cuban and wants to hear if anybody else has any other offers. I'm not. I am not going to hop on board with anybody. I want them to make a case, and it's not just making the case to me because, like I say, I, whatever the Republican is, I'm I'm in. I want somebody to make the case to the most Republicans possible. I want to see some people win. I don't want to see a plurality. And I want to see how people campaign. I want to see people get a punch and then give a punch. Not in a brawl, metaphorically. I want to see how you know anybody takes on Donald Trump, quite frankly. I don't know that Trump's not the guy. I don't know that Trump is the guy. But I want to see what the candidates are because one thing trump did is he changed the dynamic he changed how campaigning goes you can decide for yourself whether it's a good thing or a bad thing but he is out there he's a brawler he's a bomb thrower he's an elbow thrower he's a biter in a fight it doesn't matter and if you can't take on donald trump in a republican primary and beat him you're never going to take on and and not beat him in the total number of votes because i still think he's beatable in the total number of votes but if you come limping out of it like a an abused puppy dog you're not going to do anybody any damn good when you get out of it that way so i want to see somebody punch back because uh, the democrats for as nasty as donald trump can be on the campaign trail and i think he's getting a little desperate when he's trying to accuse ron DeSantis of being a groomer but um as desperate and as as nasty as Donald Trump can be, he's got nothing on these Democrats. He's got nothing on these Democrats. Until Donald Trump comes out and calls, you're nothing but a damn racist, you're a child molester, you're horrible, you're this, you're a Nazi, you're a uh, racist. You're, that's not saying that you're you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid. You're, those are certainly not normal political discourse insults, but they are not things that a politician should aside from being caught off guard that an adult human being is using these terms it should be you should be able to handle that because you went to high school you went to junior high you went to elementary school nobody donald trump was not accusing ted cruz yeah granted he was accusing his dad of being involved in the kennedy assassination a little bit beyond the uh, realm of probability but whatever he also called Ted Cruz's wife ugly, which was stupid. He called Carly Fiorina ugly. He should have specified that he was just talking about her insides. Boy, you talk about somebody who faded away into irrelevancy. Carly Fiorina did because uh, she sold herself out to the Never Trump crowd. But those insults were bad. They were bad in poor taste. But they threw the people for a loop. Democrats are going to throw all that stuff out 
and more. It is not saying somebody is unattractive or their dad killed Kennedy is not saying you are the equivalent of a modern day Hitler and a monster and must be destroyed. There's a big difference between the two. I want to see who can handle those things and how they handle those things and punch them back. So we'll see what Nikki Haley does and we'll talk about it when it happens if she makes her announcement, which I suspect she will since she's been staffing up and I've talked to some of those staff. So it's not like uh, these people aren't volunteering. Let me just put it that way. But then there's another person who's going to throw their hat into the ring allegedly. Vivek Ramaswamy. Now who is Vivek Ramaswamy? He is one of these people who nobody would ever heard of until a couple of years ago when he wrote a book called Woke Inc. And immediately it was embraced by Fox News. And he was embraced by Fox News. There's no way I'll ever believe he, he's a multimillionaire, he's a tech entrepreneur. There's no way I'll ever believe that he didn't pay Fox News for a lot of that publicity because they did, like in the first couple days of his book coming out, they did like one hour documentary quote-unquote documentary, about his book. Well, that takes a level of coordination to put that together that uh, doesn't occur in nature, I don't think, because they aired it. It wasn't on Fox. It wasn't on their stupid streaming service. It was on a Sunday night. He was on every single show. I get it. You can buy your way onto Fox. You hire the right PR firm. You can get yourself onto Fox an awful lot. That's how wildly unqualified people end up all over Fox. Now, if you're multi, multi-millionaire worth hundreds of millions of dollars and your main objective is to increase name ID and you get, uh, all I want is a New York Times bestseller, you can pretty much buy that, I think, through PR. They can book you on the things. CNN isn't going to have them on. MSNBC isn't going to have them on. The only audience is Fox. The problem, and then this guy started a hedge fund or whatever, like, oh, we're the anti-woke hedge fund. That's where you start to lose me. <clears throat> First of all, not having never heard of this guy before uh, makes me wonder where where have you been all my fight? Right, I'm cynical in that way. The, the Johnny Come Latelys who immediately come in and extol all the virtues of conservatism and then will tell you that they will continue the fight and they will do it. Just do something X, Y, and Z that will make them richer. I have a problem with the Joel Austins and the people making getting rich off of religion, and I have a problem with the people who get filthy rich as a goal. They don't achieve their goals that they claim to care about in politics, but they will sure spin a good game. I want to see some results. And he started some hedge fund that's like, we're going to take over the... Uh, hedge fund we're going to get in a woke company and we're going to change it from the inside and he raised something like 300 million dollars and i think suckers investments i know some people who invested in it not multi-millionaires but i bet you the multi-millionaires that i know actually did too uh but they they people are throwing money at him because they see him on fox this is the problem don't it's a business it's about getting ratings it is not about an agenda i promise you so don't fall for it. Do some due diligence. But he's going to take on these woke corporations. He doesn't seem to have done much of that so far. He's taken the commissions on the whatever $300 million that he's raised and that he's allegedly managing or whatever. But has he made a difference in the corporate structure of any company? Has he taken on Disney or Apple or any? 
Not that I've seen. I have seen some information, some stories about oh, we're getting ready. We're now starting to choose which company to target. It's like you got three hundred million dollars. Shouldn't you have already had this plan already, just in case? If, I don't know. I expect some results. Well, now he's toying with the idea of running for president personally. And I don't know the guy. I never met the guy, and I don't really want to meet the guy. He just these Johnny Come Latelys who are selling something. Strike me as somebody who's selling something. And sadly, the conservative world, I don't know about the liberal world, the conservative world is littered with people who come in and they're the flavor of the month and everybody gets behind them. And it's because of something they said or something they did or somehow they look or whatever it is. Republicans are so sick of being called racist that they're ready to embrace anybody who's not white. Look at what happened with Kanye West. Remember the 20 minutes when Kanye West was the greatest thing in the world and conservative movement? Look, if CPAC had happened or the RNC had happened in that month where Kanye went from Tucker to whatever and he was, everybody was talking about it. He was on there with Candace Owens running around with the White Lives Matter shirt. If they had had CPAC or the RNC at that time, Kanye West would have been offered a primetime speaking slot. There's no question in my mind. That's how they work. There was no, well, you know, he's right on this one thing, but he's kind of crazy. He's kind of this. He's kind of that. He's a liberal and everything else. Maybe we shouldn't line up to kiss his butt so quickly. The conservative movement is so desperate for some kind of validation from left-wing celebrities that they just embrace anybody. Elon Musk. Look, I love what Elon Musk is doing for Twitter and with Twitter and the fight for free speech. He's an old school liberal in that sense. You know, real genuine classical liberal when it comes to free speech. But Elon Musk personally is a lefty. His politics are left. Joe Rogan, same thing. Joe Rogan, oh, every, every time Joe Rogan says something, he's got a three hour long podcast where he's sitting there stoned most of the time. I've never listened to a full episode. I've just seen clips, but He's sitting there stoned all the time, and he says some things where you're like, right on. Yeah, good job. That's that's so true. But in general, he's a lefty. When the chips are down, he's a lefty. Last week he had on Crystal Ball, and he's talking about oh, Ilhan Omar. She doesn't owe anybody an apology. All she was doing was saying that Jews like money. You can't say, to say that Jews don't like money is like to say that Italians don't like pizza. And you go, all right, well, what, what happened? And you go, well, this guy has been painted by the left, thanks to the last year of Republicans going, Joe Rogan is the greatest, because they highlight a 30-second clip out of a three-hour show where he says something that makes sense. They go, now, Joe Wright, far-right extremist, anti-Semite. And you go, wait a second, he's he's a down-the-line lefty. He said that he voted for Republican this time because he wanted to get some balance in there because the Democrats had gone too far. So he's not willing to follow Democrats all the way down the rabbit hole But it took until, you know, grown men grinding their genitals in the faces of seven-year-olds for him to go, maybe we need some balance. Same with Elon Musk. Being right on one thing, being correct on one thing, does not make you a prophet. It actually makes you pretty dumb, because you should have come to that conclusion long ago if you just paid attention. So you need to stop. I wish the Republicans would stop embracing these people because they fit a demographic or they they come in and say the right words or they have a big following or whatever it is and they tell everybody all right 
Show me something. Show me something. Prove it. It's not your words. Your words are great. Your words are the right words. But you know what? Anybody can go and find these words. Show me something. Do something. Being on television is not doing something. Show me some victories you've racked up, or at least show me some battle scars from where you've lost. Show me that you've done things that weren't expressly and explicitly to name your, to raise your name ID, to circulate your whatever more, and to put more money in your pocket. Because we got plenty of grifters. The Republican Party has a long storied history of people who just get out there and get their names out there and cash in and accomplish nothing except getting rich. Sadly, so many of those people, a lot of those people, run organizations, run major organizations that used to be about ideas, but now are for sale to their clients. So, yeah, Politico's reporting. uh, At 37 years old, Vivek Ramaswamy has made hundreds of millions of dollars, written a New York Times bestseller, and become a fixture on Tucker Carlson's show. See, now that's not a resume for leadership. That's a resume for, you know, look what I've done from a PR company that helped do that. And I can do the same for you. Recently, he was dubbed by the New Yorker as the CEO of Anti-Woke Inc. But on a chilly Monday evening last month, Ramaswamy found himself in a place far from Fox News green rooms and high-powered corporate boardrooms he's used to. He was at a dinner event in Iowa, addressing a crowd of dozens of the state's agriculture royalty tucked inside a huge upscale barn with exposed wood beams and heads of elk and bison mounted on the walls. See, now don't you love the framing of this? He found himself way far... No, I pro- the green, having been in the green room at Fox, aside from the one in New York is surprisingly bad, uh, and high-powered corporate boards, it doesn't matter what the structure is. It's the people who are in there. The people who are in the green room at Fox, the people who are at these corporate boards are the same people who would be in that upscale barn with exposed beams and bison heads on the wall. That's not... Being able to sort of uh, talk your way into or PR your way into those other places, it's not an accomplishment to get you into this one. Sadly, it's a testament to just how weak and pathetic the Republican establishment is that all you've got to do is BS your way on cable news and through cable news and build a name for yourself. Oh, he's on cable news. He's on Fox. There we go. Well, then let's listen to him. Let's take him seriously. Instead of going, okay, what are your accomplishments in the political fight? You've made a lot of money for yourself in business. That ain't going to get you elected president. That isn't going to do much of anything. What do you stand for? What have you done to prove that you actually stand for it? Stop blowing the smoke and start showing me the fires you've created. Is that too much to ask? It shouldn't be. But sadly for the Republican establishment, it will be. This guy will be one of the big speakers at CPAC because why? Because that's how Republican Party politics works these days. I don't mean to just pick on CPAC, but it is coming up. I I know I make my wife's life difficult if people, the wrong people heard me talking about CPAC, but it's my job to tell you what I really think, so I I do it. I I just look at the... uh, the message is CPAC, the, the Reagan dinner. 
The Reagan dinner. My friend Larry MCs it. And this year's keynote speaker is is Carrie Lake. Now, say what you want about Carrie Lake. I've said favorable things about Carrie Lake. I've written favorable things about Carrie Lake. The said things I could bury. The written things I can't bury. They're out there. They're they're gone. I thought she was going to be a much better candidate than she turned out to be. I thought that I sort of fell for that trap in my mind that I, I warn other people about falling into is don't mistake appearing on, on Fox Cable with campaign success. It's just not. And... and I fell for it. But I also thought that she was a really good, energetic campaigner. But she lost. She lost. And now I see people out there going, well, she was stolen. It was stolen. It was to prove it. But she's suing everywhere and she's not proving anything. And, you know, I get it. There are a lot of really conspiracy theories out there, et cetera, et cetera. But sooner or later, you got to win one. Sooner or later, you got to provide a smoking gun. You can't just say there are guns smoking everywhere without providing a smoking gun. She is the keynote speaker for the Reagan dinner. Any Stacey Abrams jokes that were going to be made now can't be made at CPAC because she is this year's version of Stacey Abrams. It's wildly unfair. She will certainly not be greeted as the conquering hero that Stacey Abrams was by the same people, and she'll be ridiculed by the very people who elevated Stacey Abrams, who threw her up on their shoulders. I get it. It's wildly unfair. It's double standard. It's politics. It has nothing to do with race or anything else. But realistically, there's no difference. Intellectually, honestly, there's no difference. She lost. I see people going, do you really believe she lost? She's got a million Instagram followers. Well, Katie Hobbs only has 140,000 Instagram followers. Like, yeah, uh, that's not votes. That's not votes. Twitter is not real life. Social media is not real life. Cable news is not real life. And more and more often than anybody would care to admit and should frankly ever be, cable news is not real life. Not anywhere close to it. Anyway, the... Uh, couple stories left before we run out of time today. Wall Street Journal. This is, of course, a your no-duh moment of the day. Wall Street Journal. U.S. government may have paid out $181 billion, with a B, billion dollars in improper pandemic unemployment benefits, the Labor Department's watchdog told Congress on Wednesday. Isn't that nice? Have you heard that this should be screamed from the mountaintops? Is it? No. Larry Turner, the Inspector General of the Labor Department, said his agency estimated more than a fifth of the $888 billion federal and state unemployment payments made for job losses in 2020 and 2021 may have gone to improper recipients or fraudsters. Oopsie. Isn't that lovely? About 22 million jobs were lost in the early months of the pandemic in 2022, and the unemployment rate rose to 14.7% in April 2020, the highest on records back to the late 40s. Pandemic relief laws that Congress passed and President Donald Trump signed into law in 2020 increased the amount paid through unemployment insurance and extended the time recipients could receive payments. In some cases, lower-wage workers received more in benefits than their former paychecks. That was a huge mistake, and I would like to see Donald Trump answer questions about it. But Donald Trump was not president in 2021. Donald Trump was not president as these were extended and expanded under Joe Biden. 
The combination of job losses and generous benefits caused a surge in applications to more than one million a week for much of the spring and summer of 2020. The influx of money and unemployment claims led to long hold times and delays in getting payments. The inspector general said he had uh, significant concerns with the ability of labor department and state agencies to both give out money quickly while also ensuring that the aid was adequately supervised. That is the problem with everything with government. That is the argument that Republicans conservatives need to be making nonstop. You hear all these leftists go, we've got to get money out of politics. We've got to get dirty money out of politics. They really don't want to get money out of politics. They want to get their opponents' money out of politics. You can tell it in the second time of that repeating. We need to get money out of politics. We need to get all this dirty money out of politics. Why? Because then they can label, they label their opponents' donations as dirty. That's the trick. That's the key. It's their money that's dirty. It's their money that's corrupt. It's their money that's the dark money. It's their. These left-wing organizations are swimming neck deep, nose deep, head deep in dark money. They get way more money, especially from millionaires and billionaires than Republicans could ever dream of. And yet Democrats, the fact that Republicans are even competitive most of the time is a minor miracle, to be honest with you. <laughs> So you can see the Democrats, they cannot compete in the battlefield of ideas. They cannot engage in debate any longer. They simply just declare somebody to be a Nazi and take their ball and try to go home. They try and shut everybody up. They'd rather silence anybody. See, I'd rather the opponents be silenced by them simply not being able to respond. It just, they're out of it. They, you just beat them into silence. Instead, you get the people who just tell everybody to shut up. And uh, they don't. They won't. They can't debate. And so you uh, end up with the situation where you've got millions and millions and billions of dollars going out. Back to the story. A government, you sit there and you go, hey, man, we need to get money out of politics. We get politics out of money. The government stopped giving out $5 trillion a year, and it only did what it was supposed to do, give out maybe a trillion dollars a year. 95% of the lobbying in Washington, D.C. would go away. It would end. You wouldn't even need to. And people wouldn't even donate to politicians anymore. Why? Because why would they? What are you going to get out of it? What's the point? If the government did what it's supposed to do, the government would leave most of us the hell alone. The real action would be in the state capitals. But they don't, they can't, or won't, or whatever. So they end up with this garbage where they're sitting around and they're divvying out $5 billion, trillion dollars, and they go, you know what, I can go get a slice of that. I can spend a million dollars on lobbying to get a $20 million contract. I'm going to do that every time. And you spend $10 million on lobbying to get a billion-dollar contract. I'll do that every time. So you sit there and you go, we're going to draw it. Uh, it makes sense that the average American would go, well, the government's just giving money away. Why would I work? Government's giving money away. I quit my job or I'm fire me, boss, or I'm going to just apply for unemployment. Everybody's doing it because everybody was doing it. You see stories. How many stories have you seen about death row? Well, not death row, but life prisoners in California, people in maximum security. They're collecting tens of thousands of dollars in COVID relief and unemployment benefits. And you see that enough times and you go, well, why am I the only one playing on the up and up? I get it. It's a tough argument to make, and it's a, a tough way to live. But 
it, there comes a point where you just go, why the hell am I the only one playing by the rules? If I'm playing a game and everybody else is cheating, well, <sighs> cheating is wrong, but I want to keep playing. If I want to keep playing the game, I've got to cheat. I think that's part of the argument that a lot of these people use steroids in the baseball, the roids era could make. Like, hey, I want to play on the up and up, but, you know, I can throw 95 miles an hour, but I can't get it past somebody who's juiced to the moon. So I got to take a little bit to get it to 100 miles an hour to have a shot to level the playing field back to where it was before Barry Bond's head became, you know, an unidentified Chinese spy balloon. So, yeah, is it surprising that almost $200 billion was stolen or misappropriated? I love the misappropriated. No, it's surprising that it's not more. But I will say over the past two or three years, every time, this isn't the first time a story like this has come. Every time over those last few years, what has happened? There's one consistency in this story. It's that total dollar amount has increased significantly. That total, like $40 billion may have been misappropriated. A hundred billion, now it's $200 billion. That tells you exactly the problem. The government spends so damn much, there's absolutely no way humanly possible to keep track of it all, to make sure it's going to the right places. Maybe catching somebody after the fact, you can throw them in jail. That's good and all well and good. It'd be much better to have a government that didn't do this crap that wasn't involved in these things to not get ripped off in the first place. Because while they maybe find the person who did it before they escape to the Bahamas or wherever the hell they disappear to in the ether with all the money, they always find them after the money's all gone. They don't recoup the money. So we get the added benefit of not only being ripped off to the tune of you know billions of dollars by these people, we also get the added benefit of having to spend billions of dollars to give them three hot meals in a cot for 10 years or whatever. Certainly not a pleasant existence for them, but give me a break, okay? It's not the same. So you watch that. I don't know. Do we, I'll save this story for tomorrow. There's a story about the uh, DOD and uh, racism. Just one last recoup of a uh, recap. Recoup. Good Lord. Stop drinking, Derek. Recap of the Super Bowl because it was it was a good game and you know I will tell you young kids out there you young fries out there if that's a thing anybody young fry there was a time my life to my childhood Super Bowls sucked Super Bowls were boring Super Bowls were mostly blowouts they were terrible games we've had. 20 years of just really good games, whether it was the team you wanted to win, winning or not. The games were damn good. It's really the only thing on that night, and you get to get entertained by that is a pretty sweet deal. So even if it wasn't your team that won or neither of your neither of them were your team, you got a hell of a football game out of it. And for that, we should all be grateful, except they should fire Goodell for painting that field what a jackass. Anyway, we're out of time for today. Have yourself a glorious and wonderful day. We'll be back here to do it tomorrow because the stupidity never stops and we will stay on top. Thank you for listening. Have a great one.